Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to the show today. I have a good show for you today. I'm excited. I'll introduce my guest in just a second. But I want to say to you, thank you to all of you guys that are doing small groups with Gangster Prayer. (laughs) We have gotten so many messages, a couple today, that are using my third book, Gangster Prayer, to do small groups. So I am so incredibly grateful to all of you guys that are doing that. I love you so much. And every time I hear that someone is taking a project that I like died over and really digging into it, it is such an honor, not just to me, but to the whole team that helps put uh, these things out. So thank you guys so much. Also, thank you for following along. I want to remind you, when you hear the show that airs in North Texas, we also podcast them. So if you hear one and you're like, oh, I didn't get the name of it, head to our podcast because it's going to be on that as well. We are a radio show and we podcast as well. This is, seems to be confusing, but I want to help you guys out because we want to make sure it's accessible to everyone. Okay, want to get to my show today. I want to go ahead and welcome her. Uh, her name is Melanie Shankle, you guys. She has written a book that is called On the Bright Side. She's written several others, and she is a New York Times best-selling author. Welcome to the show, Melanie. How are you today? I'm great, Autumn. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Melanie, I read your bio, and I feel like we're r- roughly the same person, um, and I, <laughs> I want to talk to you about this uh, just for a second. Now, I have four kids. You have one one child. Is that right, Melanie? Yes, that's right. I have a 16-year-old daughter. Oh, you have a 16-year-old. So I have a 14-year-old daughter. Okay. And oh, does your daughter have her license? Oh, she does. Yeah, she has her license, so that's a whole new stage of parenting. <laughs> I just... I just want to cry for you. Thank you. I I, need it. No, let me tell you. I put Grace as my 14-year-old daughter. I put eyeliner on her her last year because she was doing something, whatever, and she wanted to wear eyeliner. And she's like, Mom, will you make it, you know, pretty? I, I put eyeliner on her. I sent her off to whatever she was involved in and cried for three days. Something about that (laughs) eyeliner broke me, and it, like, I don't know. It was like all of a sudden I felt like the eyeliner made her a woman in my mind. It was, it was, isn't it hard to raise, to see your kids grow up? It's so hard. I mean, it's so rewarding. Like when you look, cause you, I keep reminding myself like, this is the goal, but it's also the weirdest. Like the first time she got in her car by herself and drove off, you know, you just look at him where I'm like, well, she's three <laughs> and she's driving a car. This is not right. This should not be happening. What is your daughter's name? Caroline. Caroline. Oh, my goodness. My my 14-year-old is going to be driving. She even tells me, Mom, can we go on, um, can we, like, uh, go, what am I trying to say? You know, drive through the neighborhood yeah. so she can learn, like, a little uh, a little lesson, driving lesson. And I'm like, no, yes. you can't do that. I'm- that means you're old. Uh, anyway, uh, so I also love the fact that you talk about uh, the rap of the '90s because um, I'm uh, I'm introducing my kid to the R&B of the '90s, like Mariah Carey. They didn't know who she was. I'm like, yes, 
always yeah. be my baby? Like, I know. What, what, what is going on? You don't know who Mariah Carey is. So we're like introducing them to um, the music of the 90s, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I love that. Isn't it good? It's it's the best. I feel like the music of the 90s was was everything. Everybody loves that. It, it's so good. And we, you know, my daughter plays soccer. And we went from the time she was in about seventh grade, I think we introduced her to like the Beastie Boys. And we would listen to that on the way to soccer games. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this says about my parenting. But I feel like this is a life skill that you're going to need and appreciate to know the lyrics to Beastie Boys songs. I mean, but they had some, re- like just the 90s in general, like boys to men. I mean, we like, yes. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, some, some good stuff. Um, we're a Christian show. So yes we do listen to christian music as well just for all the listeners out there that are about to turn us off or i'm sure i will get emails talking about this but you know what there's some good stuff back then and it wasn't so like can i say like dirty i just feel like some of the stuff that they put out today is like oh my goodness this makes me want to scrub my brain with soap it's so bad i know it's definitely not sing along in the car material a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. Anyway, okay, so you wrote a book. Let's get to your book. Um, and I actually like before I think I told you before we got on the show, it's kind of like a breath, a cleansing breath. You know, a yoga deep cleansing breath to yes. what we're kind of experiencing right now in our culture. A lot of darkness going on, a lot of I hate you, I hate you going on, a lot of I mean, politics alone, like, I can't even hardly watch the news. It is just so much negativity after negativity after negativity after negativity. And you wrote a book called On the Bright Side, um, which is like, praise the Lord for a bright side. Um, (laughs) Why don't you tell me your heart behind the book On the Bright Side? I started writing that book when it started to come to fruition, and I, I, I really had prayed about what it was going to be, and it was right after, it was early 2017, so it was right after the 2016 election had happened, and okay. um, I don't know if you remember, but oh. the world felt like it was on fire, like everybody yes, I remember. everybody. Yeah. Um, and it was just so crazy, and it had gotten to the point, by the time the elections were over, and it on Twitter and Facebook and social media were really the way I thought when I would get on, even for a few minutes, is I thought, well, I hate all of you. Like, I don't even believe, I don't even care if you believe what I believe or not. Like, everybody's on my nerves. Yeah, yeah. Just stop. There was so much fighting and so much negativity, and everybody was the worst. And I thought, when did we quit assuming the best about people or trying to find the best Mm. in people? And when did we start focusing on everything that was wrong instead of looking for the things that were right? Right. So... Just as I really thought about that and prayed about that, I thought, I think we need to remember to look on the bright side. And it was a reminder for myself, you know, Mm. just, you know, that in life there are going to be hard times and things are struggle or whatever, but anything that's worth having also has a good component to it, too. And so why don't we focus on that and and laugh a little bit and lighten up a little bit and just remember that there's a lot of good out there. It's so funny that you said those 2016 elections. Oh my goodness gracious. It was, I mean, (laughs) it was like, it was crazy, but I remember the day after the elections and, and like uh, I posted something on my social media 
that had nothing to do with the election. Like nothing. Like I wasn't even thinking about yeah. the election when I posted it. And I remember there were like com- there were several comments that were like, um, I can't believe that you're saying this. How insensitive are you? I can't believe like whatever. And I'm going, what? I, what yeah. I just posted had in my mind nothing to do. But that's just, that was, I mean, everyone who's going to listen to this show will remember. I mean, uh, uh, just the, the, the tension that still exists. It hasn't gone away yet. Um, yeah. But there, it was just such heightened um, tension back then. I, I think it's pretty interesting that, you, that God placed this little book in your heart. So um, talk to me about just sort of the hopes of this book and what you're wanting people to look at. Um, as far as when they read it, what do you want them to get out of it? You know, for me, Autumn, like when I wrote this book, I I feel like all my books, is I kind of write what I would want to read or what I want from a book um, selfishly. And so for me, what that is, is I want, if I can make you laugh, but then I can make you cry and then I can make you think um, Mm. just about your faith or about your life or your priorities or whatever. To me, that's really the goal is I always say, like, I'm not one to write. If anybody's read my stuff or is familiar, like they are not how to like self-help type books. That's just not what I do. It's kind of more of a like, hey, we're all in this together. We're all trying to figure out how to raise our kids and have healthy marriages and be better in our relationships at home and school and work and like all the places. And just how do you make an impact right where you are? Um, And just kind of remembering like all the gifts that life has to offer. It's like just if you can close the pages of my book and go, you know what, life is pretty good, then Mm. I feel like I've succeeded. And, um, and, you know, I kind of laugh in the book, like one of the things I say is, there's so many messages out there that make us feel like we have to be that all on our own, that Mm. we have to find all that. And I'm like, here's, here's the main takeaway is apart from Christ, you're not going to find that. Mm. Like the the bright side is knowing that God is always in control, no matter how bad life looks, because it's remembering like he is for us and that he's good. So that's really kind of my my summation for the whole book. So I looked at, I looked through the contents, the chapter contents, and um, mm-hmm. I love some of the stuff that you pull out. And I want to talk through some of them, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. The chapter two says the bright side of giving up on comparing and competing. Um, I, that is, I feel like everyone talks about this, but it's such a, huge problem. I I want to know, um, what's the bright side of that? You know, I think the bright side is, is that we can look at people and, and we can, they can make us better. Like, I think you can look and I always say that, you know, some of my best friends are people that I look at and go, there's something about them that I really admire and I want to be more like that. And to let those things challenge us and kind of refine us, but not to let it kind of downward spiral into a what's wrong with me? Why am I not Mm. good enough? Why am I not like her? And I think that when you really give up on the comparison from a competition point of view, and when women kind of let their guard down, I think what we find is we're all struggling with something. You know, we all have our insecurities and our fears. And, you know, I always tell my daughter this. I'm like, we're always comparing our insides with other people's outsides. Mm. And that's never a fair comparison. Yeah. You know, it's never, I mean, when you're looking at somebody's Instagram best self and you're dealing with your own insecurities and your shortcomings and where you feel like you're not a good mom or like you did a terrible thing at your job today or whatever, it's, you're always going to fall short. And so it's, it's embracing that and turning it around and saying, what if we were honest and vulnerable and we 
let that go and that we trusted God enough to believe that he's going to give us and, and equip us and make us everything that we are supposed to be and that that's going to look so much different than that looks for another woman. I love that. Uh, some of my um, some of my just closest friends are people that, um, you know, I, I, I have found things that I respect about them. And we uh-huh. might not agree on everything. We might not. Our lives certainly don't um, look, you know, completely the same. But I, I, there's something I admire and I want that thing in my life because it sharpens me as a yeah. human being. Um, and that, that's essentially what you're saying with this chapter. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Is it's, it's not always, I think there can be a healthy thing where you use other people's strengths to motivate you to help be stronger in a way. And I think where it becomes so toxic is when we constantly feel like we're in a competition with somebody um, instead of just looking at it like, okay, I'm going to walk my road, but I am going to look at this woman and I admire these things about her. And maybe these are some things I want to emulate, but also being very aware of nobody else is going to be like you. You know, you've got your own gifts and your own strengths and your own path that you're supposed to walk. Uh, I hate that feeling of like competing with a peer. Isn't that just like the grossest feeling you know? It is. And you, and you feel it in you when it comes up. And it's just that thing of why am I doing this to myself? You know, why am I going to this gross place? Um, but I think as women, we all do it. And yeah. I think with social media, there have never been so many different ways to compare ourselves because it's not just the people we know in real life. We have all these, you know, Instagram friends or whoever that we can look at their lives. And it can just, it can be such a gross thing um, and can create such a spiral. And I think, <clears throat> I think as moms, having a daughter, one of the things is I don't want to ever convey to my daughter that her peers are her competitors because I think that takes away from real friendship, you know, Mm. and it's, so it's, it's that learning to be like, okay, maybe she made this team and you didn't, but that just means God has something else for you. So let's find what that is. Um, instead of spending all our time being bitter that this person had the success, because I think it goes back to, we have to remind ourselves, there's no finite number of successes or victories Mm. or blessings that there's enough for all of us Mm -hmm. so one woman's success doesn't diminish my own at all don't you think we need to have these open uh, we need to to handle this within ourselves as moms you know you bring up the mothering thing but we need to have these open conversations I I have two boys as well Um, uh, so we need to have these open conversations with our with our sons and our daughters so they know how to if someone does succeed in an area where they don't we they know how to celebrate their friend's success rather than be yeah. jealous of it, right? Yeah, for sure. Because I think it's, it's sometimes I always, you know, what I try to tell my daughter is I'm like, sometimes when a, when a door closes or an opportunity doesn't happen, that just means that God has something else for you. Yeah. So let's focus on finding what that thing is instead of being bitter, you know, that this thing didn't work out for you, because that's life. I mean, not everybody's going to win. Not everybody's going to get the job. Not everybody's going to make the team. It's just the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Yes, it is. That's exactly uh, that. That's exactly what I'm telling my 14-year-old right now. Okay, yeah. um, talk to me about finding uh, the bright side. Uh, wait, I'm not reading this right. The bright side of finding yourself in the middle. It's so great to start things. People love to start yeah. And then people love to finish. But when you're five years into the middle of something, oh, my goodness, what is the bright side of that? 
it's, you know, it can just be drudgery. And that chapter, you know, came so much from my heart because I am in such that middle place of life. Like, and in fact, I kind of laugh because I'm 48 years old. So I'm like, <laughs> technically, I'm not even middle-aged anymore unless I'm really optimistic about my life. <laughs> you know, like, let's be real. That's, um, so it's, but I think that there can be so much that you learn in the middle. I think that it's in the middle of those places where sometimes you have to buckle down yeah. and go, this isn't exciting. This mm. is the day to day. And mm. I think as moms and as women, we live so much of our life in the middle, you know, of just the day to day of raising kids and what's for dinner and going to work and all those things. But I feel like when you look, it's to me, it's such a God principle that he mm. teaches us so much when we're in the middle. Yeah. Um, I always say that it was in the middle of the Red Sea that mm. the children of Israel most saw God. That's yeah. where he was most visible. Is It wasn't the beginning of that journey, but it was when he had actually parted and was making a way. And I think in the middle places of our life, it's sometimes in the day-to-day drudgery, it's those places where God is showing up and being faithful and giving us the strength to get through. Um, Mm. And I think that there's wisdom to be found in the middle. You know, I think that when you're starting out, there's so much you don't know, but you know, the further you get down the parenting journey or the marriage journey or in your career or whatever, you start to have some kind of hard won wisdom. Mm. And I think that if we embrace that, there's, that's, that's a huge gift. It's so funny. I, I just had this conversation the other day. You know, it's really, um, it's really exciting to start. It's really exciting experience. But uh, to end, oh my goodness, where's my brain? I just got back yeah. from Florida, so I'm like all over <laughs> the place this morning. I don't even know where I am. I'm still, I'm still looking at the water in Florida. But um, it's it's really exciting to start, and it's really exciting to exper- to end. But uh-huh. it's in the middle and how you sustain what you've started and what you'll finish that it creates character. Can you sustain yeah. something that you start? Um, I, I feel like that is almost a lost art because when, when people get, uh, when they start something and it starts to get boring, they quit because there's no more joy yeah. to be found in it. But what we need to do is sustain, especially those callings of the Lord, right? Right, Melanie? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's it. It's, it's like you have to, I think as, as Christians, we're called to finish strong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you started something, then you need to finish it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. I mean, I am a chief procrastinator. I mean, the fact that I've managed <laughs> to like start and finish five or six books is a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about the hand of God in my life, because I am somebody who's like, yeah, okay, that was fine. I mean, but I think that there's something to be said in seeing something through. Mm-hmm. Um, to the other side, because I think there's so many lessons to be learned. And I think that when we quit, we discount the strength that God was going to give us to get through it. I think that we discount ourselves and what we could have learned from it. Um, And I just think there's so many lessons to be learned in the middle places. Mm, I love it. Okay. The bright side of staying mostly sane while raising kids. I would really (laughs) like your wisdom on this because I don't feel like I am sane at this point with four kids. (laughs) No, no, we're really not. It's a wonder that any of us survive it that's why i said mostly sane mostly, mostly sane. that's true you did say mostly sane <laughs> yeah that's the disclaimer is <laughs> you know i say all the time and i know you would agree with this is raising kids is uh, raising a child to me is the hardest and the best thing i've ever done yes. like it <laughs> i mean in the in the in the span of an hour i can feel like it is the greatest joy and that i'm also horrendous at it you know like it's so you can it's feel like so the greatest true. victor and then the greatest loser literally yes. within 10 minutes. 
you can. And I'm like, oh, I nailed that. Like, I did such a good job with that. Like, I just won at that whole parenting thing. And then, like, my daughter will say something back to me where I'm like, oh, we're on two totally different pages. She doesn't even get what I just said. You know, we're not even on the same. And so it's such an interesting thing to figure it out because I'm like, it humbles you in ways Mm. that you didn't know that you could be humbled um, it challenges you in ways like, I, like one of my things, and you know, you have a teenage daughter too, is sometimes the challenge of like not letting her mood dictate my mood, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> cause I'm like, we're a big old pile of hormones. And so like when that thing starts to go South, it goes South quick. Totally. <laughs> um, and figuring it out, I always say, which is so funny to me, because I always think, God, it seems like my parents really knew what they were doing more than I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. they seem smarter. And so many days, I'm just like, I, I, it really is the thing that brings me to my knees where I'm like, God, I don't know how to do this. Mm. Like, I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to respond to this. Um, and it's the whole balance of figuring out, like, you, as a parent, you love them so much and you want to save them from feeling any hurt or any pain or anything uncomfortable. But then it's the it's the push and pull of knowing that those are the very things that are forging their character yeah. and making them stronger and that God has to bring them through. So it's it's that balance of what do I shelter them from? What do I let them handle on their own? How am I making sure that they're going to be a functional member of society? Like right mm. now with my daughter, I feel like as we're on that, like in a year and a half, she's going to be off at college. Like I look <gasps> at her all the time and I'm like, you're going to be the worst roommate. Like we've got to, like your roommate's going to hate you. Like you've got to figure out like your cereal bowl doesn't just empty itself and go in the dishwasher. Like there's a process oh, there. Like. Gosh. That you're not supposed to just get your clean clothes off the floor of your bedroom. Those are supposed to actually go into your drawers and, yeah. like, be hung up. And so I think, you know, we're all trying to figure that stuff out. Is it's like, But at the same time, there's so much, so many rewards. Because don't you see it like when your kids do something mm. great or you hear them say something or you see them do a kindness and you're like, oh, my gosh, maybe we're going to make it after mm. all. Like, this, we're going to be okay. And so I think it's just that push and pull of some days you feel like you're going to lose your mind and then other days you're like, I think it's going to be okay. I think one of the things I love is when um, I feel like I'm like the best parent in the world is when someone else compliments one of my kids. Like if their teacher emails me and they're like, you know, Haven had a real, uh, Haven's four, but she's like, she's like 14. Like she's, I mean, she's, you know, you, you, uh, I have myself, my daughter, my 14 year old daughter and a four year old daughter. And we are all crazy. I mean, all three of us are nuts, but, but it's like when, when her teacher, as a matter of fact, I got called, I was in the airport and I got called from a number I I didn't recognize and I answered it. And it was the principal of her preschool saying, Haven had a really good day. I just want to tell you she's excelling. And I almost cried. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're doing yes, it something means right. So much. <laughs> totally does. It means so much. And there are times, don't you feel like if a coach or somebody will take the time to email me or message me? And it's made me do it with other people's kids. Like if I see other <laughs> yeah. kids doing something, I'm like, parents need that. Like they, even if I send a text to a friend that's like, hey, you need to know that they were super polite when they were at my house today. So because good. sometimes when it's your own child, you're like, I don't know that you're equipped for society. <laughs> like, I. <laughs> but it's so true. <clears throat> yeah, I always say, my best friend and I always say, they act so much better for other people than they do for us. You know, it's, yeah. we really do get the worst of them sometimes. And it's remembering that, um, you know, ultimately, hopefully they're going out into the world and being their best self. Yeah. Okay. Last one. And then, then we're out of time. Um, the bright side of holding our plans loosely. I love this one. 
Thank you. I That to me is such a struggle because I think it goes into, it almost circles back around to like that, the new beginnings and like mm. um, the middle places because I think there have been so many things in our life that we, you know, I always, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, I'm not going to speak for you, Autumn, but this is how I feel. Is when something starts to happen in my life, I really have a great plan that I think God needs to follow. Like I'm like, here's <laughs> yeah. God, I'm really going to help you out. Like here's yeah. the best way for this to play out this scenario and it's shocking how few times that he tends to agree with what my best idea is (laughs) (laughs) and so what I've learned is is we make these plans and I think it's okay to make plans you know I always say like without without plans without an idea in our head then I think we end up just hitting watch next episode on Netflix for eight hours in a row so it's like we need to have a plan but by the same token, it's to hold that plan so loosely. Mm. And um, if anything that God is really teaching me in my life this year is it's like, God, I want this to be a year of saying yes to you. Mm. And saying yes to him is a lot of times saying no to other things right. and holding my plans loosely because mm. it's like, this is the way I want this to play out. And it may not be the way he wants it to play out. And yeah. just knowing that he's He's always right and he's never let me down. Um, and so there's such a gift. I think sometimes we hold on to something so tightly because it's our security and it feels safe to us. And God is saying, no, but I have something so much better for you if you'll just take this leap and if you'll trust me and if you'll let go of these plans or you'll change your plans or you'll be flexible. Um, I just think life becomes so much richer when we kind of go places that we weren't necessarily planning on going. So good. A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Uh, my new yep. fellow Texan friend, Melanie Shankle, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your new book on the bright side. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Autumn. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for listening. You you know, you can catch a girl right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Miles Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.